0: What is going on guys? Welcome to the mountain podcast. We did it. We got through another week. You got through another week. I want to thank you guys for all the downloads that you guys had. We were up. I checked the numbers today. 290%. (laughs) How is that even possible? How did we get from going to 100% and past 100%? Anyway, I'm rambling at this point, but I want to thank you guys for um, listening and downloading and subscribing. We got a new series for you today. Pastor Samuel is talking all about the bond. Um, It's an incredible sermon. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So I'll stop talking and let Sam take it from here. So Sam, my friend, take it away.
1: The process of becoming is a lot different than the process of getting to know him. Does this make sense? Uh, So we're going to focus on and we're going to feature a few highlighted uh, people uh, this month. Uh, and we'll have a different graphic each week. Uh, and uh, this is cool. That's fun old artwork there. That's awesome. Uh, and does anybody know who made that? I don't know who made that. Do you know who made that? Brenna, you know who made that? Okay, I don't either. Cool. I didn't know if it was like a famous painting. My dad's really into like the old uh, uh, stuff. He brought me to, oh, and I'm not French. So if anyone's French here, I really apologize ahead of time. But he brought me to Le Louvre. Is that how you say it? It's the one that's the pyramid, and it's the light in France, and it's a museum. And if you take, I think it's like if you take like five seconds in front of each piece they have there, it would take you like six months to go through the whole thing or something like that. So then I was like, oh, cool. Well, then I'm not going to take five seconds in front of each thing. (laughs) So I literally was like, (laughs) it's just... <laughs> it's just like, oh, and I still got lost, <laughs> and still basically couldn't see anything for the most part. But uh, Mona Lisa was there, and there was all these amazing things. But there was these areas where there was like, there was all of like the, the Bible was really well illustrated by so many different authors, and you're like, wow, this is awesome and kind of explicit. Uh, when you go by the statue of David, you're like, "Whoa, hey, <laughs> David, man, <laughs> put on some clothes, bro Have <laughs> <laughs> you, you ever seen this It's just like <laughs> could you imagine if I had that in the lobby <laughs> It's just like a, he was our greeter <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for thanks for coming to the mountain. <laughs> Love you if it's your first time. Uh, <laughs> there's elements of Peter that are really interesting to me that I, I actually really like. And, and I've heard people talk about uh, Jesus and the disciples. And, and a lot of times, I want to say ahead of time, a lot of times I think that some of these disciples can get a bad rap. Because we look like with a microscope about how they responded or reacted to situation. We're like, oh, see, uh, Peter was an angerholic, man. He, like, <laughs> he cut a dude's ear off. And, and we can kind of look at these areas, and then we go, oh, Thomas, man, what a doubter. Uh, and we can kind of look at these like, lives and the profiles of these biblical characters and disciples, and we can kind of go, oh, man, because with hindsight, we wouldn't have done that. In retrospect, we wouldn't have done it like that, but I think if we kind of like put ourselves into the situation even of, of the kind of risk it took to follow Jesus, the kind of honestly unprecedented journey this was for so many people, it was, it was an incredible degree of like faith to walk this out. And so if we can step beyond the, the ease that it is for us to have a hindsight 2020 perspective and, and be in the moment with some of these characters, I think we can actually start to see a lot of parallels between their response to situations and our response to situations. I know that when I look at Peter's life, I'm like, wow, holy smokes, I think I might be a Peter. I want to be a John, but I think I might be a Peter. <laughs> I want to be the guy that's just like, hey, I'm cool to just lay my head on Jesus' chest and spend time with him. But I actually might have a little bit of that like instinct to fight, that instinct to push, that instinct to like uh, have hasty declarations. Where Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to have to go die. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then I'll raise again. And, and then Peter's like, no way. No way! And he literally brings him to the side and like rebukes Jesus. What what I see is there's there's this incredible trend with Peter here, and we'll we'll jump into several different scripture points. But what I see here with Jesus uh, with Peter is not so much the marker of anger as much as the marker of fear. And I, I think Peter is the kind of guy that used anger as his coping mechanism for fear. If this makes sense, how many of you guys have recognized that at times anger can be your shield when you feel afraid? It could be the thing you use to repel others or to defeat your enemy, even if they're a person. Uh, and uh, fear, fear can lead us to this place of like, I'm not afraid, I'm angry. And you won't like me when I'm angry. And we go Hulk mode on people, Right? So we can see like this this place of fear leads us to a place at times where anger becomes our cloak. Where anger becomes our protection. And it becomes the way we, we can measure we respond in situations. So let's take a couple of situations here that Peter found himself in and identify how he responded with anger. And it's John 18, 10 through 11. Then Simon Peter, having a, a sword, drew it and struck. And now, this is when Jesus was being betrayed by Judas. The guards were there and they were ready to collect, they were ready to, uh, to get Jesus. And, and so, this is where we're at in the scripture. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Wow. So, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And right away, I, I think what's important to see in this scripture isn't so much the error of Peter's approach, but how Jesus approached him. Now, Jesus said to him, one, a declaration of peace put your weapon away. If you look beyond it, even, what's, what Jesus is saying is that your response of anger is not appropriate in this place. And I think probably what's even more important than simply that Peter responded in anger and Jesus told him to walk in peace instead of anger is the reason why he told him to put his sword away. And it was this. It was so that Jesus could be obedient to his father. And if you see it, 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 it's shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? So here Jesus says to Peter, listen, Peter, you need to put your sword away, not just because it's not a good thing that you cut a dude's ear off, (laughs) although that's not a good thing. But also, I need to be obedient and you need to be aware of what Father has asked us to do in this time. So your anger is not producing the righteousness of God or the obedience to God. So your anger, which comes from fear, like my Jesus is being taken from me. There's no way I'm going to let this happen. Anger, outburst of violence, isn't just a problem because it hurts people, but it's also a problem because it, it leads you to be blind to what the will of God is for our life and for the life of others around us. So Jesus wasn't just coaching him to have peace, like put your sword away. That's not really how we roll. But he's also saying, be mindful of what my father's will is for me. And why is this important for Peter? Because Peter had this really unique call as a disciple in his life that he was the first person that became aware, or not, maybe not the first person, but he was, the, he was because flesh and blood did not reveal it to him, but his father in heaven revealed that Jesus was the son of God. Not just a prophet, not just any of these other kinds of cool things, but if you read in the scripture, and we can kind of even jump there, it said, um, uh, Matthew, 16, uh, uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 19, and, and it says, and actually let's jump down to 17, um, and uh, actually 15, he said to them, but... Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The identity of sonship was revealed right here. That it it is a revelation of father that establishes sonship. It is a revelation in seeing father that cultivates the mind and the behavior of Christ. And or it appropriately identifies our ability to see Jesus well. When we see father, we see Jesus. And we see this when Jesus is like, hey, I do as I see my father. Do I speak as I see him speak? And so Peter had this really unique symbolism tied to his journey that he was the one who could see Father's will. And he can see Father's uh, words, he can see what Father believed, and he can see what Father did. That he sent his only Son, and that you are the Son of the living God. And so Peter had his prophetic destiny laid out before him to be a son, to be the kind of man that the church of Christ would be built on, which was a revelation of the Son of God from Father. And so he had this thing laid out, and all of a sudden when he cuts this dude's ear off, it's not just that he needed to learn peace instead of anger, it's that he needed to remember how he was called by Jesus and what he was called by Jesus. He needed to remember what his prophetic identity was in Jesus. It was a man who could see Father and hear from Father. He said, listen, I need to bear the cup that Father has for me. I need to bear this cup. So we can see that Peter's anger disallowed him to access what is his prophetic identity, to see and to know what the Father's will is, to see and know what the Father's will was for Jesus' life. And I wonder if we couldn't step into places in our life and realize that there's times where anger betrays our ability to be able to see Father or Jesus well. I wonder if we can't look at the anger that we get at injustice in relationship and recognize that it stopped us from being able to see people the way Jesus sees them. I wonder if we can't look at the injustice of situations or the injustice of a nation and and maybe recognize that our anger has stopped us from being able to see the way Jesus sees, hear the way Jesus hears. I don't know about you, but but I recognize when I'm in a place of anger <laughs> that the unconditional love of God is just not something I'm in the mood for. <laughs> How many of you guys know that those two things are, they're not really simpatico? You know, they're not really <laughs> compatible. You put them in a, in, in, in a dish together, and you're like, "What did you just do? <laughs> Why did you ruin my meal?" <laughs> when I was a, when I was a teenager, my sister would always laugh at me because. I had this this ability to eat anything in their fridge and in any combination. I was an athlete, so I was training. I was eating tons and tons of calories a day, like 10,000 plus a day. And uh, they always thought that was a good idea. Uh, I'm not so sure it is now. But uh, I would have this thing where whatever was in their fridge left over, I'd take it out and I'd heat it up. I'd put together cereal with chicken parmesan, with, like, with like pizza, which kind of goes with the chicken parm but not the pizza, with, like, uh, any, anything that was in the fridge, tiramisu with, with, uh, with French onion dip soup. Uh, it, for whatever reason, it didn't matter. I could just mix it all together, and it was just, like, cool. Like, you know, I'd just eat it all. And now I think about it, I'm like, that's kind of disgusting. What was I doing? I think I was in sin and somebody should have done deliverance on me or something. I needed Pasqual or maybe Steve or somebody to come and just like cast a demon out of me that let me do those things. But, but really, you see that anger and the love of God or the righteousness of God, like the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It talks about in the Bible. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and we go, oh, but it, the Bible says, you know, you can be angry, but just don't sin in your anger. And I, I hear you there. I totally hear you. Well, this is what I know for sure, that while you can practice discipline not to sin in your anger, that I definitely know anger is not the motivator of praying for your enemy. Anger is not the motivator of unconditional love, for sure. If anything, anger is just going to simply let me be, or if I handle my anger well, it's going to simply let me be neutral. I'll withdraw. I'll withdraw bad, but I'll also withdraw whatever good I could bring. Unconditional love isn't absent. And that's a really hard, difficult thing. It's difficult to manage, and if we're honest about where Peter was at, I think I would have cut a dude's ear off. If he was taking the thing I left everything for, like remember the time where Peter was like, Hey, um, yeah, see, we've left everything and followed you. In Matthew 19, 27, we left everything and followed you. What then will we have? I don't know about you, but I could recognize times in my life where I said yes to God, started to walk, and freaked out because it looked like all of it was leaving. Like it was all just going to ashes. Or it all did go to ashes, and you're like, but God, you asked me to follow you. Why did you just ghost me like that? And when you don't have the ability to operate in anger, because it is your greatest strength, like we can see that the way, Jesus, that P, the way Peter acted on several occasions, hastiness, reactive behaviors, anger to cloak fear or to cope with fear, these were his strengths. These are the things that he accessed strength by. So when he was afraid, he's like, anger. Okay, I feel strong again. We can do this. We can do this. We can roll. We can roll. And so when Jesus disallowed him to access anger to fix the situation, he spiraled and didn't know what to do. See what happened after this place? He followed Jesus. And when he was following Jesus, he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus just told him he was going to. And basketball, if you told a dude what you were going to do to score on him, and then you did it, it was like double bad. It was like, like MJ was famous for this. He'd be like, I'm going to go left, and I'm going to step back. And he was telling the guy, and I'm going to shoot the jumper in your face, swish. And then he would do it. Larry Bird, the same way, there was a famous, famous shot that he did where the guy grabbed his jersey and he, and he went to the corner and hit the three. It was a big time three, led to a championship victory. In the legend of this thing, and the defender said the same thing, Larry Bird said the same thing, is that he told the guy what he was going to do to win the game. He looked him in the face before it happened, before the, the pass came he said, listen, I'm going to step back and I'm going to hit a corner three in your face. And he did it. In in sports, that's like the worst thing that could happen. Like Jesus called his shot. He's like, Peter, listen, bro, you're going to deny me three times. And then Peter denied him three times. And the reason why it happened is because Peter knew how to fix things by utilizing anger. He knew how to feel strong again and do great things because of the way his anger would fuel him to say, far be it from me, Jesus, this isn't happening. Hey, Jesus, listen, come here, come here, come here. I got to talk to you, bro. I got to talk to you. I got to rebuke you right now. and I got to tell you, you are wrong. You aren't going to die. It was these hasty, knee-jerk reactions that Peter would have. And they were the way he was identified. And, and sometimes somebody might have said that he was short-fused or that he was quick to speak and slow to listen. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I've recognized that I'm not I'm not quick to listen, I'm sl- I'm quick to speak. I'm not slow to speak, and I, I'm quick to speak, and I, I, I'm hasty, and my, my fear and my anger leads me to say, This is what my case is. This is what I believe if we look at Peter, we see that this access point of strength that Peter had through his anger, it was just a cover-up for his fear. And when Jesus said, hey, put your sword away. Anger is not the answer here. Put your sword away. Be mindful of what my Father's will is. He didn't know how to produce righteousness from that point. He was completely left vulnerable with no way to truly operate because his fear, Fear dominated him. His fear dominated him, and he led, it led him to betray or, or, or deny Jesus three times. How many of you guys have, have begun to respond to the, to the walk of God when he said, hey, let's remove anger from this thing? And you began to do it, and it was like terrible because you realized how much fear you actually had. Or once you remove some of these vices or some of these coping things or some of these self-strengths because God's been speaking to you about them and you're like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to be obedient. That sounds good. And then you're like, oh, my goodness. What do I do without my competitive edge? What do I do without my anger? What What do I do if I'm honest with people? No one's going to like me. <laughs> no one's going to spend time with me. No one's going to want to be around me. And we have all these questions. We have all these, all these challenges. What do I do if I remove anger from this situation? And whenever we remove our vices, whenever we remove these things that are self-strength, sometimes it can freak us out. And it could lead, lead us to be worse off or feel like we're worse off than when we had anger in our life still. What? Well, what do I do when I, when, I, when I don't have that coping mechanism of drugs anymore? What do I do when I don't have that coping mechanism of getting drunk every night? What do I, what do, I do when I don't have that coping mechanism of having people constantly around me? What do I do when I don't have that? When I get alone, all of a sudden I remove myself from all these things and I, I start to feel those suicidal thoughts come on again. I start to feel this fear just creep into my heart and i got to remove myself from this situation. i got to go back to whatever it was that was cloaking or that was helping me cope with these things. But here's what I know about Jesus is that Jesus isn't a, a, a kind of God in our life or author in our life that just simply gives us tricks to cope. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. He literally disallowed Peter from operating in what made Peter great. His aggression. His aggression is an instinct to act quick. Some would say that's a leadership instinct. Some would say that that's what made him a great leader. Some would point out, hey, well, this is a good thing. Like, I'm, I'm first to stand up and say, i 'I'll do it. Let's go! Let's go! This is injustice! Fight! Anytime something completely blindly authors our behavior, the wisdom of God has a really difficult time being established. So if anger is my author without any prayer without any consideration and it just begins to teach me what to do if avoidance is my thing and I begin to avoid I begin to take steps back whenever I'm in a place of fear and insecurity then it'll define my behavior and the righteousness and wisdom of God has no access point in my heart it has no access point for authorship So if I start getting a little bit vulnerable in community and a little bit honest in community because that's what God's been leading me to do and that's that's a really important thing and I start to freak out because I've never let anyone in. I've never learned to trust. I've never learned to do any of these things. I've never had any significant relationships. All of a sudden you could freak out and those first three months that you're starting to open up and connect with people, it's the worst. Because people are mean. <laughs> and then you, you find some people that talk bad about you. And you're like, wait, is this what people do when you share your heart with them? Some people. And so your first instinct could be, i got to go back into my cave. i got to get back in there. i got to get back in there. This is terrible. This is the worst. This is awful. i got to get back in there i got to use anger again because I felt strong. At least I felt strong in there. I know it's not right. I know it's not right. Sometimes I blow up on somebody. Somebody I push people away. Sometimes I attack people and there's collateral damage. But at least I did something. (laughs) At least I stood up for myself. At least I cut a dude's ear off. Hey, rest of the disciples, what did you do? (laughs) (sighs) Ah. When Jesus calls us down a path that removes the things that we've most identified with, it can be terrifying. It can really tap us into how much fear we actually have, and it could look like things are worse off than ever before. But there's a really great quote in the Dark Knight, the Batman movie. Where he said, the night is darkest just before the dawn. And there's, a, there's an aspect of walking with Jesus that it can look like we, we spiraled when we were obedient to him. We sheathed our sword. And we obeyed Jesus. And then we're like, whoa, there's so much fear in this path. He walked with Jesus. He continued to follow Jesus. That's what's really interesting. He did what Jesus told him to do, which is put your sword away. And then he continued to do what Jesus had originally asked him to do, which is follow me. So he's following Jesus. (laughs) And without anger, he realizes that his fear is really, really tested. A little girl asked him, like, hey, aren't you with Jesus? He's like, No. And then two other times, and we don't need to jump into it, really. I think we know the story, but he was asked two more times. and And then he heard the rooster crow, and he literally wept. The Bible said he wept when he remembered what Jesus had said, that he'd betray him, and then the rooster would crow. He remembered it, and he wept, you guys. He wept because he realized that his fear had controlled his behavior. It had dictated his behavior. It had disallowed him to be obedient to Jesus. It had disallowed him to be faithful to Jesus. And there's a really beautiful narrative that God's got for us is that he leads us into these places where we're continually challenged in the things that we identify with the most. Some of us would be like, I'm a, I'm a Martha. Like, I know how to work, but I'm not like Mary. You get me into worship, and I'm just like, what do I do? Why did we spend 40 minutes worshiping? You know what I mean? There's people out there that need to be fed. There's people that are starving. There's people that are are not saved. There's people that we need to do things to save this city. And it's true. It's totally true. We need to work hard. But it's also true that we need to spend time at Jesus' feet and worship him. And if that's an uncomfortable thing for you, if you can't identify in those places, it's because you've learned to identify like this, find strength like this, but God's going to lead you into a place where this is going to be developed and freedom will happen here. It's that if you identify as a Peter, if you identify in these places of anger, if you identify in these places that these are your strength points, these are your access points, is that you use anger to keep people away and keep yourself safe, is that there's another way. There's a sheath your sword way. Be mindful of the will of God. There's peace that surpasses all understanding. And Jesus said to his disciples, peace I give to you, not like this world gives to you, but like my Father in heaven gives. There's a peace that's an access of strength that anger could never be. Anger could never be. There's a post-Jesus dying and, and being resurrected where the narrative continued. And it's a powerful narrative, and I believe it's really important to, to communicate. And then we're going to take uh, communion at the end. And, it, and it's really powerful. And, uh, and this is after Jesus was resurrected, John 21, 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Why was this significant? Because this is, one of the, this is one of the first primary interactions that we see Jesus have with Peter post his resurrection. Like this is a beautiful place of, of Jesus redeeming and calling him back to the place that he had established with him back when he called him the son of the living God. This was a place where Jesus is like, I know what has dominated your behavior, fear. So what am I calling you to? Love. I know the places of anger that has led you to hurt people, cut dude's ears off. But what I'm calling you to is a narrative that would have been impossible for you to access in your former life, in your former behavior, in your former strengths. It would have been impossible for you to love people the way I'm calling you to love them. It would have been impossible for you to feed them. And it would have been possible for you to be a nurturer in that state of being an anger holic, of being a person that's first reaction was to anger. It would have been impossible for you to behave like this except for our connection of love. So, how does God undo, unravel, and uproot those places we identify with the most that aren't from Him? He connects with us in love, He meets us there. He doesn't author change through condemnation and guilt like this, like, hey, you're guilty and I'm not. So you're bad, and you need to come here or else. (laughs) Jesus met him there. Jesus meets him there. He said, do you love me? Then this is what it looks like. Feed my sheep. This is what I've designed in you the whole time. I find it really interesting, actually, that when 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 uh, the Holy Spirit visited uh, the 120 in the upper room, that Peter's salvation message, or the message that led, what, 3,000 people uh, to Jesus, multiple thousands of people to Jesus, he, what I find interesting about it is the way he started it, which was, lend me your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever notice that? Like, I literally read this. I was like, that's a cheesy joke, but I think i got to say it. He literally said, lend me your ear. <laughs> And then he led, like, thousands of people. He said, give me your ear. It's like, that's really amazing. Like, in one instance, he was taking somebody's ear. And another instance, he was literally asking for somebody to hear him. What's the difference between somebody who operates in anger and somebody who operates in love? Well, one is really comfortable with a request and an invitation. The other one takes, controls, manipulates disguises their true intents to gain. When you're in a place of anger, it's about yourself. It's about protecting yourself, defending yourself, taking for yourself, destroying somebody else to eliminate a threat to yourself. When you're in a place of love, you're really comfortable saying, hey, can you hear me out here? Because then they can say, nah, and just walk away. You can go in relationship with somebody and you can go to connect with them and you could say, hey, can we connect? Because I feel like our connection's been broken. I feel like it's been really damaged. Can we connect again? Because this connection matters to me. It's hard to do. It's brilliantly hard to do. Like, it's devastatingly hard to do. Like, it's the worst. Let's just put it like that. It really is. When, when you have anger as your means of strength, to choose connection is absolutely terrifying because connection can't happen with the wielding swords of anger because anger promotes disconnect. Anger causes disconnect. Do you think that Peter was connected to the dude that he cut his ears off with? Malchus was his name. Do you think he was connected to him? Do you think they went and had breakfast at the Egg and I that Saturday? <laughs> no. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Malchus was a really loving dude. That <laughs> just killed Jesus, so probably not. But um, I think that when we see these places, and we're going to take communion today, which I'm kind of excited about. I like communion. It's fun. It's awesome. It's amazing. But there's this place that we can see ourselves in when we take communion, when we come to church, where we do these like introspective evaluations of ourselves. And we can really get discouraged in these places. Man, I need to change. Oh, geez, why can't I change this? And I'll find oftentimes that we'll approach growth in God the same way we approach like getting better at dribbling with our left hand or getting better at the shift from the G chord to the E minor chord on the ukulele, which was really hard for me. Going from G to E minor was like, how do you do this? People that play instruments are amazing to me. I'm like, how do you do this? And a ukulele is small, and it's just this right here, and they're not steel cords or metals. They're just soft on my really soft hands, apparently. (laughs) But it's not just like I need to to figure this out by trying harder until my fingers bleed. I asked AJ, who's a worship guy at the song. I said, hey, how do you get good at this? He goes, play it until your fingers bleed. I was like, what? Like, is that how you get better? He's like, yeah, that's how I got better. I was like, cool. So walking, so cool, I'm not going to be that good. So I'm cool with it. I'm comfortable. I'm a good dad. I love people. So walking with Jesus, sometimes we can relate the way we get better at skills in life. To the same thing with Jesus. If I'm just more disciplined, if I, if I run with him until my feet bleed, until my mind can no longer do it, if I fast until I feel like I'm going to die, uh, you know what I mean? And we could think like if we just ramp up all of our efforts, then something's going to change. And it's so not like how Jesus works. Like think about Peter. He was trying the hardest. He was trying so hard. When Jesus told him what was gonna happen, what his will was for, for his life, what God's will was for his life, Peter Peter tried so hard to stop it. On multiple occasions, you could see him like, no, no, this can't happen. I won't let it happen. And meanwhile, we see with our own lives, we try so hard. I've seen this pattern before of sin and brokenness. It won't happen again. That preacher preached that sermon. That altar call was so powerful. I'm never going to be the same. And we get the, the tiger fist pump. Ah, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. And meanwhile, it's just right back in it. Because change and transformation, especially in these integral points of our identity, don't happen with effort they happen with us learning really great connection with Jesus, seeing how he's approaching us. So when we pull out the sword, cut a dude's ear off in life, we hear Jesus say, hey, put your sword away. Know what the will of Father is here for their life, your life, and others' lives around you.
0: Well, that is going to do it for today here on the Mountain Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure that you rate and review and if you haven't also subscribe because that's super important too. Um tell your friends about it. We have um three episodes from last week if you haven't already. We have two discussions and a special sermon and all in sermon. Uh, we have one on church hurt, the discussions and one on walking with Jesus with some incredible people. Want to thank you guys so much for doing that. We're going to have a new discussion for you up in the next couple of days. Maybe even two, who knows. Until then, my name is Donovan and we will talk to you guys next time.